Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by Baylife Church Port Stevens. We hope you find this message challenges and inspires you in your daily Christian walk. For more information, visit www.baylifechurch.org.au. into a series uh, and we're looking at some of the ifs of living an intentional life and uh, you know the first week uh, we're looking out of the book of Daniel and the first week we covered uh, if you learn out of the first chapter of the book of Daniel second week we covered if you try out of the second book of Daniel and this week we're looking at if we trust out of the third book of Daniel and uh, you know let me just give you a little bit of context for those that may be new or visiting us today. It's just good to get some context to this book of Daniel because it's, it's a, a fantastic book. And, uh, and here the nation of Israel has been taken into captivity. The Babylonians and King Nebuchadnezzar have taken the, the, the nation of Israel. And, and Babylon is actually where the modern day Iraq is today. So it's actually in the same geographical spot. And the time frame is about 600 years before Jesus was born. And, and the book of Daniel is actually divided into two books. There's a historical part of the book and there's a prophetic part of the book. And the first six chapters are basically historical and the second six chapters are basically prophetic. And, and there's a lot of correlation out of the book of Daniel and the book of Revelation and uh, uh, about what's going to happen in the future. And we've been looking at uh, Daniel and his three friends, Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, and how they stayed intentional on their journey and stayed true to God in the midst of fear and persecution and challenge and, and even the threat of death. You know, their, their lives were threatened on a regular basis. And, and there's no different today in the, in the third book of Daniel we're going to look at. That. So if you want to open up your, your Bibles there, we're going to have a look out of that and read a fair bit of that passage. You know, we're talking about if we trust. And trust is a big deal. Trust is a big deal. Can I tell you, in marriage... If there is um, a reason for one partner to mistrust another partner, whether it's adultery or, or whatever that, that is, trust just takes a long, long, long time to rebuild. It just does. And you can't, it just can't happen overnight. It takes a whole uh, life, really, to, to see that outwork. Um, you know, when we planned the church, I remember a really wise old guy said to me, um, they'll like you in the first year, they'll love you after three years, but it'll take five years for them to trust you. And I said, nah, 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 but people trust me, you know, they do, do you know. And I was 2IC at Macquarie and, and uh, um, you know, and, and uh, everyone loved me, you know, because you, you were just, you know, they just did, you did everyone just trusted you. And, uh, and it just, I didn't have to tell anyone, I didn't have to do the heavy with anyone, I didn't have to correct anyone it just could be me and and uh, you just felt like everyone trusted you and you plant a church and, and and you go oh heck i don't think they do trust me you know it took us truly it did take five years for people to get committed to it or not and it stunned me really i, I really didn't expect it to be like that um and, and we, you know we had some some difficulties after five years and, and it was just like oh heck actually didn't really trust me after all that. And it just takes time sometimes for trust to be outworked or not. Um, and in life, when things are going well, it's easy to trust God. I don't know if you agree with that or not, but, but I think it is. You know, when things are going well, trust God completely, wholeheartedly. 
when things turn upside down, when things aren't going right, when everything seems to be going wrong, when life takes the sharp turn that we didn't expect, it can be a whole different scenario, a whole different deal. And, and that's the case here with Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. They survived the first threats on their life. You know, that they'd, they'd been in a war situation, they'd been taken captive. Um, uh, there was a threat of death we talked about last week out of the book, of, uh, second book of Daniel and uh, about the wise men being killed and... and uh, uh, and they didn't have much chance really to influence that whole deal. You know, Daniel did most of that and they just had to pray for Daniel. But it's now their time to be intentional. It's now, now their time to choose for themselves how they outwork their trust and what that really looks like. And so here's a truth to consider at the start of this message. True freedom and trust in our lives as Christians is found in the region beyond where we simply receive answers to our prayers. Let me read that again. True freedom and trust in our lives as Christians is found in the region beyond the place we simply receive answers to our prayers, particularly for what we want and, and what we think is best in our lives. See, we really don't need to trust God until we have a fire or a, a wall or something that we have to actually work through. And... Um, and, and these guys said this with great conviction, and we have to say the same sort of thing. Even if this thing doesn't work out, I will trust you, God. Even if this thing doesn't work out, I will trust you, God. See, that, that, that foundational understanding is based on our Christian belief system. Nothing in life really can defeat us as Christians. Nothing. doesn't matter what comes at us. Comes at us. We have an eternal victory in Christ. That's the truth. That's the truth. Even when the facts and the circumstances don't seem to support that position, that doesn't matter. We have to know, we have to trust. We have to know our God. We have to know that our life is more than our circumstances, our situations, our fears. Our faith and our trust has to be in the foundation of our belief system. That we are already victorious. That nothing can defeat us. And you see, when we get to that place of understanding and of trust, we're beginning to live our lives intentionally, the way God would want us to, where our faith is not based on the seen, but the unseen. It's based on our faith, our beliefs, our trust, and our clarity of who and what and, and how we trust. You see, that's real freedom. That, that's living intentionally for God. It's a living the, the abundant life that he means us to live. Even if it doesn't work out, God, I'll trust you, Lord. It's intentionally trusting God. And, you know, when we know the truth, the truth will set us free. And I, I believe that for us today. I believe that that truth will set us free. If we let go, let me see if I can say it a bit better. I think when we hang on to the way we want things, it can actually be, keep us small-minded. It can keep, keep us very immature in our faith. But when we allow and let go, go, okay, God, when we're holding on like this, our hands are in the wrong way. Our hands we need to be that way. We need to have our, our faith in God above. We need to let go of those things that we are desperate for, that we're striving for sometimes. Sometimes you just need to relax and let God's process take control. You know, and I can remember many times over the years 
where Robin and I have had to step out in this trust, not knowing really what the outcomes would be like. You know, when we planted this church, we, we, we came to a place that we only really knew one other or two other couples in the place. And, and you know, that was nearly 12 years ago. And we had teenage kids and they're in the midst of that time where they just need to be in a good youth group. They need to be committed to, to, to get to know God and to, to grow in their relationship with God. And, and that was our prayer. God, we're going to do this thing. We're trusting in you that somehow, even though there's no group, youth group there, no, there's no church there at the moment, we're trusting in you that you will take care of our kids, that they will grow in the Lord and, and, they'll, and you'll, be, you'll position them for what they need to do in their lives to become the, the Christians that, that we, we know they, they should be. And, and there was a great deal of prayer, <laughs> but there was a trust involved in that, you know? When we, planned, when we started looking for property and we realized the church couldn't afford really to buy anything. And, and Robin and I committed to buying this church property back in 2006 and said, look, we're going to sell our family home and buy this for the church. Now, we'll see what happens. You know, we, we can't guarantee anything, but we had a five-year agreement in place with the church. They'd buy it back from us after five years. And things went pear-shaped on the way through. And I had to come to that place of, even if this thing doesn't work out, God, I'm still trusting you. Even if we never get another family home in our life, I'm still trusting you. Even if this thing goes pear-shaped, I'm still trusting you. And, and there's a great freedom in that place. There's a tremendous freedom if we can get to that place in our faith and in our trust, knowing God's in control. Now, for us... God's looked after all that. Now, I can't guarantee that for your life. I just can't. But I just know if we are faithful, God is faithful. He will get us through whatever those things look like. And, and you know, I, I can say with great conviction, God has looked after our kids. God has amazingly looked after this church. You know, the church completely owns, well, doesn't completely own, the bank owns a bit of this property still. We've just bought three acres next door. Now at five acres. You just go, Wow. How did that work in such a short period of time? Because there was a time there when it looked like Rob and I would have to go back to work. There was no funds there to build a building like this. So it just seemed impossible. And yet, in God we trust. Let's open to the book of Daniel. First verse there, we're going to start. King Nebuchadnezzar, the ruler of Babylon, he's built this huge statue, okay, and put it in the middle of the plain so everyone can see it. Verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of God, 90 feet high and 9 feet wide. Now, I don't know if you know what 90 feet looks like, 30 metres about. And if you look at some of the big trees out in the back here, they're about probably about 10 metres, so three times higher than that. That's really high. In fact, 36 metres is the length of this whole building all the way to the end. Um, and if you stood that building on its end, that's the, how big this, this thing was. Um, uh, he set up on the plain of Jury in the province of Babylon. Verses 4 to 6. Then the herald loudly proclaimed, This is what you are commanded to do, O peoples, nations, and men of every nation. As soon as you hear the sound of the horn, the flute, the zither. Does anyone know what a zither is? I didn't really look it up, but I, I thought, I don't know what that is. You, you do? What is it? Okay, on your lap. A zither. It's a good, good instrument, I reckon. Zither. Um, Lyre, harp, pipes, and all kinds of music. You must fall down and worship the image of gold that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. Whoever does not fall down and worship will immediately be thrown into a blazing furnace. 
So this is a huge idol, probably of himself, by the way. <laughs> and, uh, and he made this ruling that all the people had to worship this idol whenever the music played. And the punishment would be they'd be thrown in the fire if they didn't. So there you go, the music plays, everyone bows down, everyone bows low to this big gold thing. And, uh, but these three young men didn't. The three young Hebrew men didn't. They stood tall. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego. And when the king was told about these young men, he was furious and called them and basically said, is this true? You won't bow down. What what are you thinking? What do you mean you won't do that? I'll give you one more chance. I'll give you one more chance. When the music plays, bow down and worship, okay, and everything will be all right. And if you look at verse 15b, the second part of it, but if you do not worship it, you'll be thrown immediately into the blazing furnace, then what God will be able to rescue from my hand? And you know, in a tough situation, you make a stand for God in our lives. And, and, and you know, there's a real challenge in that. But, but I'll tell you where the, the real challenge comes is in the second temptation, when the, 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 the next chance, you know, like, okay, I've stood up now, but I really realize the impact of my decision now. And it's the second flood that comes. And you go, oh, what have I done? What have I done? And, it, and that's the time a lot of us cave in. We get fearful. We think about the consequences and... And the enemy loves to fan that flame. What God will be able to rescue you from my hand? Who are you kidding? Who do you think you are? What, what were you thinking when you thought that? You know, come on, just compromise a little bit. Just, 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 it'll be all right. Just, just do that. And that's exactly when we need to be standing strong. It's exactly when we need to be standing up on the inside and go, God, I know I need to honor you in this. I need to trust you in this in these circumstances because at the moment it's not looking good and, and these young men they didn't know what the outcome of, of that would be you know that they, they definitely weren't sure about that and, and, but, and yet they wouldn't compromise and I don't know about you but there's many times in my life where I get this sense of a conviction of the Holy Spirit what I should do from God and, and stand on that for a while but then the uncertainty comes, the, the, the floods in, you know, and, and it starts to dissolve your resolve. Is that me? That's something else. Um, and we can so easily succumb to that, to that then and, and just, just all our, our fears overwhelm us. But we have to push through right then. Let's look at verse 16 to 18. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego reply to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you in this matter. If we're thrown in the blazing furnace, the God we serve is able to save us from it, and he will rescue us from your hand, O king. But even if he does not, we want you to know, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the image of gold you have set up. See, I I love that. I love that. He is able. He will. But even if he does not, I won't compromise. I won't, I won't change my position. Daniel's friends trusted in God. If we trust, if we trust. And we're going to look at three traits of, of God's unchanging character here that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego trusted in. Is that me? i got to change. Sorry. Sorry about that. 
transfer. <laughs> okay, so let me go back to that. He is able, he will, but even if he does not, I will not compromise. Daniel's friends trusted in God, if we trust. And I want to look at this quickly this morning here. They trusted in God's ability to answer any prayer. The God we serve is able to save us. The God we serve is able to save us. He, see, they understood that he was able to rescue them in the flames. Maybe, you know, that the flames would die down or the king would change his mind or whatever that might look like and, and the trial could be avoided. They also understood that he was able to save them through the flame. So even in the midst of the fire and the trial, uh, he was actually able to transform that and, and perfect them in, the, in their experience. Uh, and challenging them. And I want to talk a little bit more about that a bit later. But he, here's the other deal. And, and here's the third one. He may rescue them in the flames. And they might experience an earthly death and move on to meet their heavenly maker as a result of this trial. He is able. His power is sufficient for any of those methods. We can trust he is able. And even in if you do not God, we will trust Secondly, we tr they trust in God's willingness to answer their prayers. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. And he will rescue us from your hand, O king. You see, God is, is extremely willing to evolve in our lives and, and, and any of the lives of, of people, of ch his children, people who follow him. He wants the best for every single one of us. And, and he's highly motivated to, to see that outworked in our life. He's willing because he loves us so much. We can trust in him that he is willing. And thirdly, they trust in God's goodness because those who pray to him and know him, his goodness will be evident in our lives. And these young men pleaded for God's mercy in, in Daniel 2 with the, the wise men last week. And they'd seen God's goodness toward them as an answer to their prayer. And there was an interpretation of the king's dream. And, and if you hear... You know, there was just a, a great faith in that as well. God's goodness is so often better viewed from hindsight. So we need to have this remembrance. We need to remember the things that God uh, has done for us in the past where, we, past where we've trusted in something that he's come through for us. But our humanist seems to go, no, here we are again, and, and where's God, and, and how's it going to work out, and what's it going to look like, and, and where are you, God, in this? And, and we have to actually take a stance and go, no. I know my God. I trust in him. I know he did it in the past. I know he'll do it again. And even if it doesn't work out, you see, it's bondage if we are so uh, entrenched in that outcome. If it has to be your way, I'm telling you, it's not really trusting God. It's not really trusting God. It has to be a genuine faith. Trust all that God will work all things for the good of those that love him. He called according to his purpose. You see, it takes a maturity and a remembrance of how God has uh, come through for us in the past. And exactly what these young guys leaned on here. You see, in Proverbs 3, 5, it says this, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. You see, in life, we just lean on our own understanding way too much. We go, yeah, I know how to work this out. I know, I know what I have to do. I, I, you know, and, and uh, uh, you know, when, when those trials come, I'm going to lean on my own understanding because I'm wise and I'm able and I'm, I'm willing and, 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 you know, I can work it out. No, no. 
lean on God's understanding in our lives. When we do that, I'm telling you, it takes all the pressure off us. It takes it all off us, and, and we give it to God in that process. Even if he does not, <laughs> we still won't deny you, God. We still trust you, God. We still won't worship those idols. We still won't worship that great big gold idol. We trust in your goodness, God. And, and, and for us, it might look a little like this. I thought I'd try to think of some scenarios that it might look like. You know, if we lose a job and we don't know what to do, we still trust you, God, no matter what. If we're praying for our kids and they're going the wrong way and the harder we pray, it seems like the harder they run. I still trust you, God, no matter what. If we pray and pray and pray and believe that everything in us, that God will answer this prayer, and he doesn't, we still trust you, God, no matter what. If we're praying for someone to be healed and they're healed, we'll trust you, God. If we're praying for someone to be healed and they're not healed, we still trust you, God. You know, and as we pray for our own situations and and other people's trials, uh, it's really important to remind ourselves of God's character. God's character. Do we trust he's able? Do we trust he's willing? Do we trust he is good? Do we trust the character of our God? Are we convinced and completely sold out that he wants the best outcome for each and every one of us, regardless of the difficulties we're currently in? We need to endure. See, that's real trust. That's real trust. That, that, that's if we trust. It's a sort of deep trust that's life-changing. It, it, it does something in us and to us. makes us completely different people. We, we come out the other side different. It, it's not our natural inclination. It's not our natural bent. Trust makes us strong. And we become people of conviction and focus and determination. We become intentional on the way through. Isaiah 30, verse 15, it says this. Isaiah's quoting God's words here. In quietness and trust is your strength. In quietness and in trust is your strength. We become people full of trust, faith-filled, not controlled by earthly circumstances because we're fully convinced that worshipping our God is the very best option no matter what the consequences. You see, that's trust. It's not this wishy-washy, if you do this for me, God, I'll, I'll, I'll believe in you, I'll follow you. No, we've got to build some conviction, some intentionality in our lives. Who do you really trust? What do you trust? And, and, and I want to show you something here this morning, and I can't give you a, a huge look at it, but something I've been reading recently. And, uh, and, and you know, we'll all face our own fiery faith test from time to time. We just will. There'll be our own furnaces, and, and some people might call them walls. And, and there'll be a testing and a trial for each of us, and probably many of them, unfortunately. Because here we have to be so courageous and intentional. It's right here in the refining fire. Right there, the dross can actually be purged off the top. It can actually be scooped off the top. It's a time the silver gets boiled in the fire and the dross comes to the top and they scoop it off the top. And it's a great opportunity for us to be purified in that fire. And it doesn't seem like it at the time. Uh, and, and the truth is we don't want to be stuck in it forever. Or here's the other option, or refuse to enter that at all. And here's the thing. Often in the fire, we feel like God's forsaken us in that place. I don't know if you've ever been there. 
Where are you, God? What's going on? And can I tell you, <laughs> even Jesus did that. You see, when Jesus was on the cross, he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And that, you know, for me, that's an encouragement because there's times in my life where I go, God, where are you? you, you, you aren't you there? What, what's going on? And, and, and Jesus cried out those sorts of words. And yet we read also at the end of his life, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. So I'm questioning where you are in this, God. You know, I'm feeling like you've, you've forsaken me in this. And yet, God, I trust. I commit my spirit to you. We can't base our faith and our trust on our feelings. I feel like you have forsaken me, but in you, Lord, I still trust. I feel like you have forsaken me, but in you, I still trust. You know, and I've been reading this great book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Uh, I read it last year. And it really challenged me and really gave me, enlightened some things that, that I've been wondering about. And, uh, and Robin got the Emotionally Healthy uh, Woman, I think it's called, and, and she read it. And all of a sudden, all the ladies groups are doing this Emotionally help, Healthy Women book. And uh, it's fantastic, you know. And, uh, and, and basically, the author, uh, Peter Scazzaro, talks about many things. One thing I want to show you this morning, just touch on, talks about walls in our lives. And, uh, and, and I'm going to talk more about this, this next week as well and, and also during the year because I just think there's so much in this for us. And you see, for each of us, there's something in our lives that we get stuck on. We can get stuck on. There's either a faith or a test trust for each one of us. And Jesus led the 12 disciples in the journey that, that would change their lives and, and, and the world forever, you know. J- Judas somehow got disillusioned and got stuck along the way. He couldn't imagine what Jesus was up to. He couldn't understand why would you be doing this? What, 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 are, you, what are you up to here? He didn't get it at all. And you see, Jesus, Judas got offended at Jesus. He got completely offended and gave up on Jesus altogether. Now, I don't know if you can really understand this, but this is the Messiah. This is Jesus walking on earth. He's doing miracles. He's doing all sorts of stuff. And Judas... Just goes, I've had enough of this. I'm out of here. And, and truthfully, I think it's one of the saddest accounts of a wasted opportunity I've ever seen. And, and if you think about it, you know people and I know people, many believers have got stuck in their lives somewhere along their journey. You know, maybe you recognize it in your own life. Some have dropped out altogether. And unfortunately, they have failed to see the big picture. They've failed to see the transforming work that God does in us through the fires, through the walls. And, uh, and the pain and the hurt often blinds them completely in that process. They don't understand that the growth that's needed us to go through the walls in our lives. You know, there, there's, there's battles in our lives. There's fires, there's furnaces, there's walls, whatever you want to call it. It doesn't matter what we call them. We have to actually go through those walls in our lives. We not get stuck, not, not bounce off and go the other way. It's actually about going through those walls. And, and I just want to quickly give you um, a, a picture of that this morning. It's something called the Stages of Faith, and it's out of another book. And uh, basically, you can see there there's, there's six stages of faith. And, and, you know, sometimes we'll be in a couple of those stages at the same time. 
But the first one's a life-changing awareness of God, salvation, if you like, when we get saved. And we recognize a need in our lives for God's mercy and grace. The second one is discipleship, learning more about God and what it means to be a follower of Jesus, getting connected to church, putting some spiritual practice in place, and all fantastic stuff, really important we do this. Stage three is the doing stage, actively involved in serving and working with God, using our unique talents and gifts and to serve Christ. And, and everything's usually going quite well at this stage, you know, and, and it seems quite easy. You know, we're, we're doing the Thrive course at the moment. We're looking at people's spiritual giftings and their, their natural giftings and seeing where they fit in the body of Christ. It's fantastic, really important. The fourth stage, though, the wall and the journey inward. And it's here we get challenge to go beyond the superficial form of Christianity, the superficial form of our Christianity, and go deeper. And, and, it's, it's, and it seems to me, and, and I don't know, it just seems to make sense to me, sometimes in our life we, we just won't go through that wall. We either choose to get stuck on this side of it or we bounce off and, and go a different direction. And, and often it's a wall we don't see coming. It's in our face before we know it. It doesn't fit our theology or our worldview. But here's the thing, it has the potential to grow us the most. It has the potential to grow us the most if we choose to move through that wall. And it's a little bit like the para, uh, parable of the sower. You know, that the, there's different grounds and there's different choices that each one of those, those, uh, those seeds made in the process. You know, and uh, stage five, journey outward, having passed through the world, we begin to get activated for God again. We might do the same things as we did before, but it's a whole different understanding and motivation and attitude. And stage six, transformed into love. We get the big picture and really understand it's all about God's love for us and his love for a hurting world. Now, let me just expand just a little bit more on that. The wall is usually a crisis that turns our world upside down. Perhaps it's in the form of divorce, job loss, death of close friend, family member, cancer diagnosis, disappointment with church, uh, a betrayal, a shattered dream, uh, a wayward child, a car accident, inability to get pregnant, a deep desire to get married that, that remains unfulfilled, a dryness or a loss of joy in our relationship with God. Now, I'm not talking about the normal trials in life. James tells us that we're, we're just meant to to go through those. It grows us, our character grows us who we are. I'm not talking about those just normal trials. These are these these big trials, these things that you just head butt into and go, whoa, what is that? And, and in it, we begin to question ourselves. We begin to question God. We even begin to, I mean, church, and we even begin to question God, God in the process. And, and we discover for the first time that our faith doesn't appear to be getting us there. It doesn't seem to be working. And uh, we don't know where God is. We don't know what he's doing. We don't know where he's going. We don't know how we're going to get there. And when this will all be over. And if we aren't intentional about moving through our walls, we will get stuck. We will get stuck. Or we'll bounce off. And we'll stagnate. Now let me read this quote. Unintentionally and unknowingly, we fall back into imperfections. Bad habits are like living roots to return. These roots must be dug out and cleared away from the garden of our soul. This requires the direct intervention of God. We need to go through our wall to get to the other side. And I'm, I don't know if you're getting this this morning or not, 
But I'm telling you, we will all face our walls at some stage. We just will. And if you're a new Christian here, I'm sorry to tell you that this morning, but you will. You're going to go through tough times. There's going to be a time that's going to test your faith, that you have to trust in God, even though the circumstances don't suggest that's the best thing to do, even though the world view wouldn't be the best, like people are telling you that's not the best thing to do, even your family might be telling you that's not the best thing to do, and yet in us we know we have to stay committed to this. We have to get through this thing because we know in the process of it, God will refine us, purify us, make us stronger in that process. And when we do, when we do, we really know how to trust our God. We really know that. We, you know, here's the thing. There'll be no great need for us to be successful in our lives because success is doing God's will. You know, we've tasted what it means to live in union with, with the love of God through Jesus Christ, through his Holy Spirit. But without that understanding and going through a wall in our journey, many sincere followers of Christ stagnate there and no longer move forward with God's purpose in their life. Some of us hide behind our faith, flee the pain of our lives rather than trust God to transform us through it. And, and to be truthful, it helps me make sense of, of the way some people react in tough situations you know you, you, you think you know someone you think they're grounded in, in God they, they've got a, a, a maturity and then something faces them and, and their reaction is well, whoa what about all your belief system what, what, what about your faith what, aren't you trusting God in this and they don't and it, it, it's, it's stunning to me that, that sometimes the way that works they won't go through the wall. They'll choose the soft option, the compromise, dis distrust, denial, become hostile, pull away from their faith, blame everyone and everything rather than go through the hurt and pain to get to the other side. And that can mean pulling back from God, pulling back from church. But here's the other thing. It actually can just mean you stay in church and just stay at a superficial level. And is that thing stop there? You see, when we hit the wall... We can just bounce back and go, oh, I'll just stay in the discipleship and I'll just serve, but I actually don't want to go through the pain and the hurt that I need to go through. And sometimes we need helping hand with that. We need counsel. We need other people around us. We need prayer. But sometimes we need a hand to move through that stuff. And, and there's, no, there's no shame in admitting that. We've just got to do whatever it takes to get through that thing. Because I'm telling you, on the other side, we will be stronger. We will, we will be different. We'll have a trust in our God that is beyond just a natural understanding of it. And, you know, truthfully, I think that's the difference between what I've seen sometimes in a more traditional church and a more charismatic church. You know, that, 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 that sometimes we stay on a superficial level, actually in both churches, to be truthful. But sometimes we're prepared to go there. You know, that we, we, we push you into that and go, come on, we need to deal with this. You need to get right in God. You need to make a difference in your life because it's holding you back. It's stagnating you. It, it, it's not doing what God would want to do in this situation. And when we do go through that, we really mature emotionally with our walk with people and our walk with God. And, and you know, I just thought it was an interesting thing here to bring this morning as we're talking about this because God really wants us to thrive as a church this year. And if you've run into that wall and you don't know how to get through, get some help. For goodness sake, don't be stubborn. Don't be prideful. Get some help. 
Come on. We're in this for a long haul. Seriously. And, 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 you know, it's my responsibility, I guess, in one way, to make sure I'm prodding you in this process to go, come on, it's not good enough just to stagnate. It's not good enough just to, to hold, be in a holding pattern. We need to be growing in our walk with God, and sometimes we've got to go through pain and hurt to do that. We have to go through the wall, through the fire, whatever that looks like. Okay, I'm nearly finished. Nearly finished. Let's, let's finish by reading the last part of um, Daniel 3. Verses 19 to 30, so it's a fair bit of scripture. I haven't got all this, this, the verses up on the screen, but if you've got your Bibles, read on with me. Then Nebuchadnezzar was furious with Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and his attitude towards them changed. He ordered the furnace heated seven times hotter than usual and commanded some of the strongest soldiers in his army to tie up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and throw them in the blazing furnace. So these men, wearing their robes, trousers, turbans, and other, other clothes, were bound and thrown into the blazing furnace. The king's command was so urgent and the furnace so hot that the flames of the fire killed the soldiers who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And these three men, firmly tied, fell into the blazing fire. Then King Nebuchadnezzar leaped to his feet in amazement and asked his advisors, weren't there only three men that we tied up and threw in the fire? They replied, certainly, O Lord. He said, look, I can see four men walking around the fire, unbound and unharmed. The fourth looks like a son of the gods. And, and, and one version says, the son of God. Nebuchadnezzar then approached the opening of the blazing furnace and shouted, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the most high God, come out, come here. So Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out of the fire and the satraps, prefects, governors, and royal advisors crowded around them. They saw the fire had not harmed their bodies, nor was a hair of their head singed. Their robes were not scorched and there was no smell of fire on them. Then Nebuchadnezzar said, Praise be to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and rescued his servants. They trusted in him and defy the king's command and were willing to give up their lives rather than serve or worship any god except their own god. You see, even King Nebuchadnezzar saw it. They trusted in their own god and defied the king's command. Therefore I decree that the people of any nation or language who say anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be cut into pieces <laughs> and their houses be turned into piles of rubber. Pretty graceful, isn't it? And for no other God can save in this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. You see, these young guys trusted in God to come through for them, even when they were in the fire that looked like they were gone. They trusted in their God. They wouldn't compromise. And you see, God was able. He was willing. He was good. God is able, is willing, and is good in our lives. Unless we intentionally trust him, we'll never really know the full extent of his love in our lives. We just won't. I've beaten around the head enough this morning. I, I, I actually um, want to finish with a, a song, a video song. And uh, let me tell you the, the context of this. Darlene Check, you may or may not know, got recently diagnosed with breast cancer and uh, before Christmas. And she's going through chemo. And uh, I actually haven't read her blog, but a few of the girls said they've been reading her blog on, on this journey. And I heard this song on the radio the other day, and it just struck me. It, it was a Darlene song. Victor's Crown, it's called. And I just felt I really need to pray it play it for you this morning 
to finish this service. And I'm not going to get the band to come back up. If you really feel like you'd like prayer, I'd love you to come out the front and I'll, I'll gather some people to pray for us and, uh, and do that. But if you just want to sit and let it, let it wash over you this morning, just read the words. They're beautiful words. They're amazing words. There's great power in this song. If we trust, if we trust. Can we stick that video up and bring the lights down a little lower if you like to? Thanks. Stand up this morning. Sandy Fritz. 
If you need prayer this morning, I would urge you to come out the front and we'll pray for you while this song keeps going. If that's you, come on out the front. Come on, is there anyone else here this morning? Come on, out of your seat. Come on, if you are having a trust issue at the moment or, or there's some, something else going on in your life, you need to get out on this altar this morning. I just really felt that urgent this morning. There's, there are people here that are in life and death battles. In God we trust. In God we trust. In God we trust. 
in God we trust. Thank you, Jesus. Now, you don't know the circumstances, and I don't necessarily want to tell you them this morning, but we have to trust in God no matter what's going on in our lives. And you never know what battle's just around the corner. I'm telling you, you just don't. Come on, if you can lift your hands this morning, just lift up your hands just for one more minute, and, and we'll finish the service. If you can't, that's fine. But if you can, just lift your hands this morning. You want to say something? I did not come out of some church like that. In Africa, I ran away from speaking with the lady. It's God. All I can tell you today is God has healed me. I know I'm healed in the name of Jesus. So everyone has to rejoice. I just keep getting that rejoice, rejoice, rejoice. Father. We want to lift up your name in this place. God, we rejoice with you, Lord. We trust in you. No matter what our circumstance, what our our situation is saying to us, God, we trust you. The name of Jesus Christ in our lives, Father. We put you first, God. We put you first, God. And this morning, Lord, we, we declare your goodness and your mercy and your love in our lives, Father. We declare that you are a good God. You are a good God. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for this time of worship. We thank you for Darlene checking that beautiful song. We declare our love for you afresh this morning. God, we trust in you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hey, can we put our hands together for God? Let's give him a great big applause in this place. Come on, we can do better than that. Come on, lift it up in this place. Come on. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Awesome. Thanks for listening to the message today brought to you by Baylife Church. We hope the message leaves you feeling challenged and inspired to live out your Christian walk. Please tune in again for next week's message.